Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Well, it's a brand new year and we are back uh, the second week in a row. That's a good thing. <laughs> right? Yeah. On the Advertising Show, brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Another good thing that they are a sponsor of ours, absolutely, for all these years, too. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production. And today, we have Wally Bregman out of Del Mar, California, joining us here. And the book has got a long title. And that's okay, though, because it's a great book. It's called Spray the Bear, Reminiscences from the Golden Age of Advertising. And we always get a kind of a, a fun thing to go back and look and, and, and listen to some of the stories. Well, that's what's in Wally's book. Wally calls it a, you wouldn't want to call it a coffee table book because it is not a hardcover book. It's more of a bathroom book or something like yeah. that. So anyway, we'll, uh, we'll have Wally on here this hour and uh, next hour as well. We've got... Uh, Coming up this hour in just a few moments, Joe Jaffe, a different perspective. Jeffrey Gittimer, uh, always good advice there. Andy Borowitz in hour number two. Patrick Meyer, our ne- next hour. And uh, this hour, a little bit later on, it's advertising. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it bad advertising last week? Yes, it was. It was. See, that's not good. We're tre- it's trending down. Well, here. a lot of times we have so many good advertisings uh, in a row, and then we start thinking, well, wait a minute, we can't be so complimentary. And then it just kind of comes in waves. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Well, most most importantly, it's all realistic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Hey, you know, last week we talked about, and, and maybe you can help me with this, there's a campaign, and I didn't get a chance to talk a, a lot about it because we were short on time, but there's a campaign out right now for uh, radio. And I don't know that it's uh, any, I can't, it's, it, they don't plug the organization. I heard it on a uh, Clear Channel station. So, did I. so it may be right. coming just from Clear Channel, or maybe it's across the board and it's other companies. Uh, the fact that yeah. it did not plug any organization makes me think that maybe it's just a clear channel uh, effort. But in any event, uh, they're very well done commercials, yeah. uh, extremely well done. And it basically the message is uh, radio should be free and you shouldn't have to pay for radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, in effect, uh, promoting the fact that commercial radio, uh, radio that you hear with uh, supported by advertising, uh, is the radio you should want more, and they're giving a message to say don't pay for adver- uh, don't pay don't for pay radio. For radio right. In other words, satellite radio subscriptions to satellite radio is what they're trying to sell against. Mm-hmm. Well, Ray, I don't know about you, but uh, to me, I think the radio people, whoever came up with that, and maybe it wasn't radio people, maybe it was their marketing or, stra- or their strategy people or whatever, sure. but anyone that thinks that advertising is so Strong that is so influential that all you have to do is put a message on your air mm-hmm. to address uh, not going uh, over to satellite radio and begin to, beginning to subscribe to satellite radio uh, by simply bringing up the point that radio should be free mm-hmm. instead of really putting the spotlight on your product, in this case your programming, right. and addressing you know what is different about satellite, why people are going to satellite, what, what, why is it people are willing to pay for something that they get for free. Well, obviously, it's because of the programming. Mm -hmm. If the programming that people pay for on Sirius or XM was available for free, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't go there. Right. Right? Right. So, I mean, when I heard that, I thought, A, do they really believe that running a commercial 
that says it should be free will actually influence people that are about to go over to switch over? No, not really. And then no, not, they're going to be curious and they're going to want to sample that. Well, and and, and think about it. Back in the days of uh, commercial television versus cable, mm-hmm. uh, cable has truly influenced uh, broadcast. Uh, I say commercial broadcast television, right. uh, and it's influenced broadcast television to become more uh, innovative in a lot of ways and uh, not rest on its laurels and and do some uh, interesting things because they had to to react to cable. Cable originally was just uh, kind of a uh, uh, you know a, a place to go to do strange and unusual programming, and you had some break breakout programming coming from HBO and some right, other right. players, but then eventually it caught on to where they understood their niche, and uh, and yet satellite is far ahead of that. They're not like a, a, a you know a, an out in left field type of area for radio programming. They've thought this through, and they're they're offering alternatives. So sure you know the radio people, whoever it is that came up with this campaign, and again we don't know for sure. We just heard it on a clear channel station. Well, but I think the fact that we both heard it, it probably is a clear channel generated thing. Or they would have a, plugged the prom- the sponsor. I think you're right. You, we probably would have. Yeah. But uh, Sirius is is not commercial free, and you pay Correct. for that. So Correct. you know it's just a whole different uh, a whole different level of uh, providing programming. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. You know everybody. Everybody's going to get their piece of the pie. And in spite of the technology, if commercial radio was doing its job, then in spite of the technology, they wouldn't be drawing people to alternative uh, sources. Do what you do and do it good. Yeah. No doubt about it. Let's check in with Joe Jaffe on the advertising show. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective. Featuring author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe. I suck at golf. Look, there I said it. I'm not particularly good on the golf course. I shoot about a 55 on a good day for nine holes, of course. And so when I bought Tiger Woods Golf Game for my PlayStation Portable, I thought maybe I would turn the tide. Turns out I suck at gaming as well. But I guess there is a silver lining at the end of the day. It really has given me a very interesting insight into what I would call branded gaming, how brands can play a role in gaming. And not do it in a gratuitous or overly uh, salesy manner. I finished a round of golf and suddenly there was an announcement that the folks over at Callaway were so impressed with my improvement and my playing that they wanted to sponsor me. And then the terms of that sponsorship agreement were laid out. So I went to the pro shop and I started to change my shirt, my golf balls, maybe invest in a club or two and I chose the Callaway brand. Every time I play a round of golf now, that Callaway brand is front and center. What a great, strategic, creative, and consistent way for a brand to not just be part of my gaming experience, but actually to enhance it as well. This has been A Different Perspective, featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC, and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. To learn more, log on to getthejuice.com. It's the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. So he's not uh, not that great at golf. You cannot appreciate that because no. you don't play golf. Well, miniature golf. Miniature golf. I have trouble with the windmill. <laughs> well, you know what? There are days on the golf course when 
We too have trouble with the windmill. What was he say, Callaway? Like he's a spokesperson for Callaway. I don't understand that either. I think it has to do with that game or something where you get to choose the, Probably the brand so. that you want in the game. And, and a golf ball is a golf ball, by the way. It's round. Well, yeah, I, I believe that you can begin to think that your game, whatever it might be, will improve when you get certain name brand stuff and you put it on or you use it and you think it's going to improve your game because it becomes psychological. Only – no, psychological, yes, but only until you put the ball in the tee and, and miss it right. or goof up the shot. Then right. that's all gone down the drain. Well, it's good to know Jeff. He's willing to admit that uh, that he sucks. I guess. And a 55 is really – well, that's not great, but it's not no, that bad. that's nine holes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. So he should well, he should be shooting under a hundred, really. And a lot of people do. The average golfer does shoot under a hundred. Is that right? Yes, huh. exactly. Um, then again, there are not that many average golfers, I guess. I don't know, <laughs> but it's still a great sport, and it's all attitude, and it's a wonderful way to do a job interview as well. You can find out so much about oh, a person yeah. on the golf course, right. big time. Wally Bregman, I wonder if he plays. Spray the Bear, reminiscences from the golden age of advertising. And uh, we're going to have Wally on for not uh, this hour and uh, the next hour, too. So we'll uh, look into the conversation of what he has to say. Uh, Del Mar, California, the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. I love Bacco. It's rich in chocolate tea. Chocolate-flavored Bacco is mighty good for me. Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Bacco gives me iron and sunshine vitamin D. Oh, I love Bacco. That's the drink for me. Back at the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our special guest, as promised, is Wally Bregman, uh, beginning his career, uh, professional career. Before that, he had a non-professional career, Brad, yeah, right. as a media research analyst at the uh, Leo Burnett Company in Chicago, concluded it as president of International Playtex Incorporated. In between, he served as president of Norman, Craig, and Cummel, Europe, U.S., and worldwide, and VP of Advertising and Marketing for the Ian J. Gallo Winery. Lives in Chicago, London, Modesto, California. Probably has a beach house in Miami, too. Anyway, <laughs> Wally, welcome to the advertising show. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. Brad, good to talk to you. Well, thank you. And I, I know there's something here, Ray, and I've got to figure it out. Going from the wine business to uh, international playtex, we're going to have to work on that and figure out what in, be, the, in between he said that. Yeah, There's exactly. some kind of tie in there. I don't know what it is. Let's start with the uh, title of your book, uh, Wally, uh, Spray the Bear. I th- certainly we understand what the reminiscence of, uh, of the golden age of advertising is all about, but how would you come up with that title? Well, it's actually, uh, it's the... Uh, Story, the first story in the book, and, and very quickly, what it is, the book is about 168 anecdotes, about uh, a page and a half or two pages long. One of my friends said it's the ideal bathroom book. <laughs> okay. But uh, for 168 days. But anyway, um, and it's it's a story, and if you have a few seconds, I'll tell you the story. Yeah, okay. please. Sorry. We okay. have more than that, Wally. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I was an account executive uh, on, on Procter & Gamble on the Joy um uh, liquid detergent account, uh, Procter & Gamble came to us, and in typical Procter fashion, they said, we're going to come out with a flanker product to regular joy, which is a sort of yellowish product. And in typical Procter fashion, the way they made the new product was they took something out of the old product. So what they did is they took the color out, and they said, it's clear. Why don't you guys come up with some terrific advertising? So the creative guys sat around, and they said, you know, like they do, clear, ice, cold, clear, ice cold, ice cold. Joy. So the idea was that uh, they would, and they wrote a commercial, and the commercial was presented in 
uh, Cincinnati, and the idea, and I remember, this is 1961 or two. Television was in its early days and exciting. Just a, just a young person. And they always said, you know, you have to have sight, sound, and motion. So the idea was that there would be this polar bear in an old, uh, like uh, uh, old Maxwell, old car, sitting next to the presenter, and at the proper moment he would say, and now here's our new product, you know, and they'd be in sort of an icy background on a soundstage. Here's our new product, uh, handed me my little friend, and the polar bear would hand him the, the joy and, and it would go. And so that was fine. They approved it. They thought it would get a lot of, of, a lot of attention. And the guys went out to the, to the West Coast. The creative guys, production guys went out to the West Coast. I'm in Chicago at the Burnett Company, and my client's in Cincinnati. And we get a call. Uh, in those days, there were no phones. Uh, the conference calls you had what they called the telex. So we get this telex, and like a telegram, and it says, uh, having problem with bear, polar bears untrainable, please advise, stop. <laughs> so we said, okay, uh, what do we do? We said, okay, uh, suggest you take a brown bear, which is trainable, and paint him white. Stop. <laughs> so about an hour or two goes by, and they come back, and they said, took your advice, Painted brown bear looked like a huge white rat. <laughs> so we're sitting there saying, those dummies, we're talking to the client, of course, on the phone, and they said, boy, you guys are the dumbest creative guys in the world. Of course you don't paint the bear, you spray the bear. <laughs> so we sent back the thing, you know, th thinking to ourselves, what idiots. We sent back, of course you don't paint the bear, spray the bear. Now, Unfortunately, the young girl who was taking dictation to send it on the telex machine sent out, spay the bear. <laughs> so we get a telex back that says, have considered your suggestion and find it unworkable. We are using a male bear and fail to see how this will solve our problem. Stop. <laughs> so that's where spray the bear came that's from. Great. That's funny. You know, you I mentioned... Like I've heard that story, too, before it, somewhere. It, it does yeah. sound familiar. You know, you mentioned your uh, your, your book is the perfect uh, bathroom book, 168 stories you mentioned. Uh, if you're listening and you buy this book, this being January, uh, any of our listeners, check back with us in June, and we'll let you know what your next book needs well, to we'll be. Well, we'll have something else. It's on Amazon.com. I get my, my plug, right? Well, there you go. Well, that's we it. usually uh, save the shameless plug uh, time for later in the interview. I'm ready for shameless anytime. Well, we, we give you more or less, uh, depending on how you do uh, early stage during the interview. And you're doing well so far, I might oh, add. Well. And by the way, you know, you have a great story. Ray and I enjoy a nice bottle of wine now and again. And we have a, a youth audience along with our old-time audience that, that uh, are new to advertising and marketing. And I'm sure they would enjoy hearing your Gallo, uh, Gallo winery story as it relates to back in the 60s and 70s and some of the ethnic uh, products that used to be developed in the wine industry. And frankly, I think a lot can be learned from this relative to what's going on uh, in the beer industry uh, of late. Well, which one? I know which one you're referring to, but the the uh, the Thunderbird. Or did, I, did I put that in the book? I'm talking about the one where you actually go into a uh, liquor store. Oh yeah, yeah. right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Well, that was, you know, we had uh, we had uh, a thing that at uh, at Gallo because Ernest really believed in getting out into the field, and uh, so. One of the things we used to do was to go and, and do store checks, and this particular one, uh, as I recall, was in Chicago. And uh, so we uh, all got together, and, and first of all, um, there was a, a, a 
research fellow who had never been uh, on a store check. And so uh, we said, well, we're going to go into the ethnic market now in Chicago because uh, we sold uh, Thunderbird. Uh, for the older fellows, remember, what's the word Thunderbird? What's the price? 30 twice. <laughs> and, uh, and Ripple. And uh, then we had a product called Night Train, which I was quite proud of myself because I wrote... Uh, I wrote the line for that, which was "Night Train takes you want to takes you where you wants to go and leaves you there." <laughs> wants to go today would be yeah acceptable. Yeah, right. But anyway, right. um, so we were uh, you know going to this market, and uh, there was a, a man who came up and he said to, to the to the fellow at the desk, he said, "How much for those little birds? Those are the little tiny." Thunderbird things, and the guy at the deck counter said, how much you got, which was the way things were in those days. All right. um, one of the ways that we uh, sampled, uh, sampling was very important in that market, and the way we sampled was by pilferage. And what the fellow would do is he would uh, go and uh, pull up in front of the liquor store and uh, sort of reach inside, oh my goodness, I've lost my car keys and my trunk is full of all these samples. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would go in the liquor store, and he'd come back soon, and pretty much they'd be gone. And that was that was the way we sampled. But one day we went in, we walked in the liquor store, and my friend, uh, who'd never been in this area before, there's this fellow who's uh, sort of lying across the, the threshold, and we step over him, and uh, my friend turns to the to the fellow at the at the counter and says, you know, uh, <clears throat> there's a there's a man passed out on your threshold. Oh, he said, oh that's Sam. He lives there. <laughs> it's good to know your market and your yeah, marketing research was just right there and available yeah, to you. Funny. Well, the that's way we did research there was, was was difficult. You couldn't, you know, the, the way you did it was when you go in the in the back of empty lots and MD twenty twenty, which was the Logan David product, was in a oh, clear yeah. bottle and Thunderbird was in a green bottle, and we did we called a glass count. You just counted the bottles out of empty broken glass in the backyard. Hey, Wally, we're gonna have to take a break here as we go out back to count some bottles. I think I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, Wally Bregman, author of Spray the Bear: Reminiscences from the Golden Age of Advertising. Uh, SprayTheBear.com is Wally's website. Uh, our website, theadvertisingshow.com. It's a really cool site too. Uh, you can get the RSS feeds and the podcast all to our uh, thanks to our good friends at Shipple.com. Uh, that's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. That's at Shipple and his crew here in the Houston market. So we'll be back with uh, with more with Wally and a whole bunch more with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show. And now it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our Wacky Update heads to Rome, where Reuters reports most Italians feel more guilty about overeating than they do about cheating on their partners. Survey is found suggesting that people in Casanova's native land care more about staying slim than staying faithful. The survey by an Italian psychology magazine found that excessive eating and spending topped the list of what people considered the most guilt-inducing vices. Sexual infidelity came bottom of the list of the magazine's seven deadly sins behind neglecting friends and family, failing at work, and not looking after one's physique. The survey of some 1,000 Italians aged 25 to 55 found that religion played little part in determining what made people feel guilty. Despite Italy's Roman Catholic traditions, only 7% of those questioned said religious rules induced guilt. The most powerful drivers of guilty feelings were the judgment of loved ones or the disapproval of society as a whole. And that, my friends, is the wacky world 
of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Men, beware. Use one dab of Brill Cream. Just a little dab makes your hair look excitingly clean, disturbingly healthy. This man dared to use two dabs. Now he's in trouble. We refuse to be responsible. Seems appropriate. A classic spot like that from Brill Cream today. That's called pomade. Right. Right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> the the uh, 21st century version. Wally Bregman, our special guest here for this hour and for next hour out of Delmore, California this weekend. And the book is called Spray the Bear, Reminiscences from the Golden Age of Advertising. Well, uh, Wally, welcome back to the show. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Wally's just old enough. He probably had a little bro cream uh, time or two. And, you know, uh, Ray and I, we like to say we're butch wax boys. Yeah, exactly. You know, back with the flat top. You know, uh, you you mentioned in your book uh, about the times uh, of advertising business when uh, alcohol and and drinking was not only not discouraged, it was perhaps but encouraged by management when seeing and entertaining clients and so forth. I have a a story I'm going to share after you, Wally. You're the the guest here. Talk a little bit about uh, maybe a few of the more interesting stories. And, of course, this is only a two-hour show, so I guess we're going to (laughs) – that you had – Maybe some deals sealed over a few martinis. Well, the, the first of all, I have to make the point that um, anybody who lived in those wonderful years uh, has to understand that that our creativity, right or wrong, and I make no apologies, was lubricated by uh, <laughs> martinis. Yeah. Okay. And P.S. fellows, these are the straight up ones in the real glass. None of this. You know, yeah. chicken uh, ice cubes and vodka. This was gin. Martini martinis. Gin martinis. Yeah. Um, Loudmouth soup, we used to refer to it. <laughs> but, uh, well, there, there, there are a lot of, a lot of great stories uh, uh, that, that come to mind. One of the, one of the uh, uh, best ones, uh, I think, was, was when, uh, this is sort of the reverse of this thing, but... Um, Two fellows from YNR came out to Modesto for a for a meeting with Ernest and uh, the so-called committee, and uh, it was a terrible meeting, as many many meetings with with the Gallo people were. If you we we didn't have a wonderful reputation, and, and uh, so they get back in the car and they have to drive from Modesto to San Francisco. And the one the creative guys team creative and, and accountant the creative guy says i'm going to get to that admiral's club and i'm going to start drinking martinis and i'm not going to stop until we get to jfk <laughs> and they say okay so they're driving in the the bay bridge is blocked and by the time they turn the car in they have to rush for the plane and they can't even sit together they're sitting one front of the, the creative guy is sitting behind the account guy in first class and the guy keeps saying i gotta have a martini i gotta have a this that meeting killed me i gotta have a martini so the plane takes off, and the stewardess, now they, then they called him stewardess, so I guess the flight attendant came to the account guy, and he said, uh, she said, what would you like to drink? And he said, uh, <clears throat> Miss, uh, Miss O'Brien, he said, I want to tell you something. Uh, my name is uh, Dr. Schwartz, and the man behind me is my patient. 
Now, he cannot drink. If he has a drink, he will die on your airplane. So just remember this, and I'm writing your name down, Miss O'Brien. Uh, I'm telling you, he cannot have a drink. Now, he will tell you anything to get a drink. He'll tell you that I'm not a doctor. He may even say I'm in the advertising business. He said that some years ago when he had the same situation. But remember, Miss O'Brien, one drink, he's dead. Well, thank you, doctor. What would you like? I said, well, I'll have two martinis, please. And, you know, fast you get so she goes to the next seat behind and turns to the person at the window. What would you like? I like a scotch and water. Fine. She said, what would you like? She said, I want two martinis and keep them going. She said, I'm sorry, uh, but your doctor told me about you. We have any soft drink that you would. What do you mean soft drink? I'm sorry, but he's no doctor yet. He said you might mention that. He's an advertiser. We said you might mention that, too. <laughs> the guy never got a drink for six hours from San Francisco to JFK. That's funny. Now, whether these guys ever talk to each other again, is another issue. That right. I don't know. Yeah, right, right. that's funny. I'm going to very briefly share with you. I, I happen to know a person that used to be in the radio business, an executive, and he used to have a standing rule at a very popular restaurant where when he had a special, uh, when he had a high-profile media director out uh, at lunch, the bartender knew to bring him a martini that was 100 percent water, water yeah. with two olives, and he would make sure that the media buyer had whatever she was supposed to have, and Usually had a great lunch and got all kinds of business out of her. I didn't. I don't know how I feel about that, but that was back uh, during a time as well, Wally, when uh, drinking and and lunch was something that not only was uh, uh, very commonplace, but when you had some business writing on it, you made sure that you were uh, at sober. least yeah, yeah, you were cool. sober, and maybe the others were drinking. You know, you you had a, a great career and a great time at uh, Leo Burnett and. He had many, uh, many clients uh, practically had the, the enjoyment of working on across the board all the clients at uh, Burnett. Any ones in particular that stand out to you as far as uh, favorites if you had one? Well, I think, uh, I mean, in my case, I spent a lot of time uh, on the Procter & Gamble business and learned a huge amount from them. Um, they were, interestingly enough, they were inimical to Leo Burnett's attitude towards advertising, and he really didn't like the Procter & Gamble business very well because he believed in his own intuitive sense of, of, of advertising. And, of course, uh, it's interesting. If you look at the campaigns that have... That have well, I was just looking the other day in the newspaper. They said a, a, a list of America's favorite mascots. And on that list today is Tony the Tiger, right. Snap, Crackle, and Pop, <laughs> and Willy Wonka from Nestle. Now, those... Three campaigns were done at Burnett, or at least the two Kellogg's ones were done at Burnett in the in the 50s, and they're still out there. Uh, other campaigns that, that that they did, of course, uh, the Marlboro Cowboy. And uh, who's dead right now? Hey, Wally, mm -hmm. we're gonna have to take a break here on the advertising show. And good news is we get well, you get you back for next hour. Okay. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe back in a minute. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. When cold is rapid, get you down, just call us all off white. Relief is back to call around, so call us all off white. If you need bromoquinine, you need to change your diet for the new year. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. Good to have uh, 
Wally Bregman on the show. And by the way, uh, SprayTheBear.com is Wally's website. But uh, the book is also available, uh, what is it, on Amazon? Is that right? Yeah, and Barnes & Noble. And Barnes & Noble. So go, yeah. uh, go get the book. You'll enjoy it. Even if you're not in the ad business or just listening to the show just because you enjoy it, uh, it's, it's a great book. Yeah. Uh, we have, um, this is AdAge.com, the month's top 10 most liked, most recalled new TV spots. Hmm. Okay, here we go. Pillsbury. Uh, ready to bake shape cookies, snowman. Don't remember that one. Mm-mm. Okay, that was the top one. Sony PlayStation Two cartoon squirrels in front of uh, uh, of a PlayStation talking about the graphics. Don't remember that one. Mm-mm. Okay, uh, Victoria's Secret. Mm. Oh yeah, we oh, remember that sure, one. Yeah. Yeah. Model in pink lingerie and Santa hat. Yeah, we remember that mm, one. Okay, that should yeah. have been number one. Mm-hmm. Coca Cola, Coke Zero. Employees wearing caps look at its soda soda in machines and turns uh, calorie switched off. I don't remember that one. Not really. So who do they talk to? They should put those people in uh, thongs and bras. We'll remember them all. Victoria's Secret, exactly. Sure, of course. Thetruth.com. I don't remember. Maybe we didn't uh, see it in this particular market. People carry large orange arrows with phrases that tobacco companies use. What is that? Oh, that's uh, anti-smoking. Anti-smoking? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's great. It's out there. And uh, let's see. Uh, I do remember this Walmart spot with Clean Latifah yeah. asking women in pink if uh, they got everything they wanted. And then they, and then they it gets the CD the gift deal. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Points so. at her CD. Makes often make me wonder when I saw that spot that part of the deal for her to be a spokesperson for Walmart was to uh, get a plug for her latest CD because she does that. So it was, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure yeah. it was, yeah. And she's great. Yeah, she like is. Her a lot. And, uh, you know, interesting enough, uh, Kaplan Thaler uh, group out of New York, we've had. Uh, oh, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, we had her on the show, uh, Mrs. Kaplan Thaler. Uh, Kaplan is her maiden name, Thaler is her husband's name. We've always said that we'd love to meet uh, Mrs. Kaplan Thaler. That would be her husband. But anyway, <laughs> Office Depot. Thaler, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, uh, Office Depot has awarded its uh, creative account to Kaplan Thaler Group, New York. Congratulations. The previous agency is BBDO New York. And the account is estimated at mm-hmm. $80 million. Oh. That's just creative. So they're, that's creative? Creative only. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Do you have a number? Office Depot, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we had. Uh, I'm trying to think. I thought we had somebody from Office Depot on the show. And no, you... it was not Office Depot. It was uh, uh, Staples. It was Staples. Yes, exactly. There you go. Well, it was a competitor, but we, I knew we probably brought up Office Depot. I wonder how much they spent on <laughs> Creative. Yeah. Staples did a good job. job you know, if, if, uh, if Staples was smart, and I want to say Staples uses Leo Burnett, as I recall, when I we were. So. Yeah, maybe they had to hire BBDO. <laughs> now that they don't handle Office Depot and steal, steal all their ideas. And isn't Office Depot the one that did the rubber band man? Isn't mm-hmm. that the one with the, mm-hmm. the guy with the big hair? Yeah. That was a good campaign. Yeah. Let's see what Linda has to do with that. Nope, we need new creative. Yeah, well, Linda, uh, Linda Kaplan Thaler. Which I always feel like I have a lisp when I Taylor. Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. But thank you for remembering Linda's name. Uh, their their big uh, hoodoo over there was the uh, Aflac uh, campaign and the duck and all Gee, that. that wasn't at all successful. They created that. Well, you know, it, talk about extending the idea. I think they've lost it a little bit with extending that idea. They're kind of putting the duck uh, in a mix where he, I assume it's a he, mm-hmm. uh, that the duck is not as prominent or the focus of the spot so much anymore. They wrap all this other stuff into the duck scenario. And How did you know the duck was a he? That's what I'm guessing. <laughs> 
That's why I asked. I'm going with he. Did he have hair under his arms? Well, actually, when he flew off the uh, side of the mountain in one of the earlier spots. You saw? It's very quick. You have TiVo. You can rewind it and check it out. <laughs> it all has to do with the undercoating. I see. Yeah. I've not seen any Aflac spots lately. Well, you? when you see them, you say to yourself, look. They used to be so simple, and yeah. it was such a great idea because it was a simple idea. Mm-hmm. Now it's become very complex right. where the ducks, you know, over here in this scenario that requires, for, you know, it's almost like you got to really focus in to figure out what they're saying. And to me, right. uh, a good spot is a simple spot to understand because most people aren't really paying that much attention anyway. Right. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah. Okay. Hey, here's something <laughs> – <laughs> Here's something. The NFL to end erectile dysfunction drug sponsorship deals. Rectal or erectile? No, erectile. Oh, okay. Dysfunction. Dysfunction, uh, yes. yes. The They're National good. Football League planning to cut its ties with uh, erectile dysfunction. Ouch. Ooh. Ads highlighting growing concerns. See, there's all these little oh, words goodness. in there. Uh, increasingly this? risque, creative in the category, and leaving manufacturers with a dearth of major sports marketing platforms for their brands. I thought you were going to say with a ho-hum attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Not to renew $18 million sponsorship agreement with LaVitra. It's got to go somewhere. I wonder where it's going to go. Well, I'd say NASCAR. (laughs) That could be. And yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised. That's very good. We've got more in the advertising show. As a matter of fact, uh, our advertising segment is coming up next. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Today's your brute day. Today you've got to run and start. You're a man who feels the part. It's your lucky brute day today. Get your day off to a running start with Brute 33 antiperspirant or deodorant. It gives you the kind of protection you need to make sure You know, Brad, that does sound like way. Joe Namath voicing that mm-hmm. almost. I'd forgotten, but he was the Brute spokesperson, so I think that's him. Yep. Uh, didn't catch that until now. It only took about a frequency of uh, 58 times. <laughs> we have uh, Wally Bregman back with us next hour. Spray the Bear reminiscences from the golden age of advertising. But right now, as we do, we take and look at the upside and the downside of advertising. Last week, not so good. This week, not so good. And now it's time for the advertising show's advertising show. Wait a minute. That's the wrong one. Hold on. Let's go to the bad one instead. There we'll we play go. That one. How about yeah. that? There we go. And now it's time for the bad advertising item of the week. See how amazing that is that we can well, just recall that? When you do it live, you got to go with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, that's true. That was pretty ugly. That's true. So, and, but this is worse. What is it? Yeah, well, uh, you know, how often do we do uh, national advertisers? We showcase them in one way or the other. How often would you say? You mean for good and bad? Yeah. All the time. Right, exactly. Right. So I'm going off the scale here, and I'm going to do a local advertiser. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, there's a home improvement company in our home market of Houston. So just think of your home improvement company in your home market. And if you're, you know, listening from outside of North America, I assume you have home improvement companies in Europe and Asia. And well, elsewhere. things break over there. So sure, yeah, they sure. do. So there's a company. We're going we're gonna to say their name maybe towards the end. We'll see how that goes. We're not. Uh, Hurricane Rita. <laughs> Hurricane Rita. Right. Well known or throughout the world. Right. September 23rd, 24th, around in there. It was an overnight deal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That would be, as of this week, uh, this past week, that would be 16 weeks ago. Yes. Now, do that according to months. That's three months and two weeks. Right. Okay. So we have a home improvement commercial running on the radio. And towards the end of that spot, 
It says, standing in emergency mode and ready to handle any damage you may have incurred in your home during Re- Hurricane kidding. Rita. No. Yeah. It was one of those deals where actually no. it sounds like the kind of thing where you go in and you edit your spot right after the hurricane. Yeah. And you put that in there so that it you don't have to recut your whole spot. Mm-hmm. And you put that last part in there as a way of saying, oh, and by the way, if you need help, we're going to splice this in, mm-hmm. and they put that. And I'm saying that roughly, standing in emergency mode and ready to handle any damage for you that you may have occurred during Hurricane Rita. It may not be exactly that way, but that's in effect what they were saying. Sure. Altex interiors, exteriors. Okay. Uh, that's what it was. Altex exteriors. Sounds to me like they maybe pulled up the wrong spot. Well, no, 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 no. 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 It's yeah. one of those deals where. Well, I guess that's possible, that's but possible. I, I thought it was one of those deals where these people. You know, edited their spot back when and just have totally forgotten about it. Hmm. And they're still airing the. I can't imagine that they would have aired that realistically. Error, no, no. They well, no, what that. I'm saying is I would be hard pressed to believe that they aired that, what, four to six weeks after the Hurricane, the hurricane Rita, right. pulled the spot only to return the spot yeah. in January. I think the spot's been airing all along. Or maybe they had a hiatus during uh, December, which mm-hmm. would not be unusual for a home improvement company. Right. And then they, you know, pick up the phone and, yeah, just run whatever we had on last time. Exactly. Could have very well been. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the guy popped it in and said, ah, that's okay. It'll work. Well, yeah. Well, the problem is they only listened to the first, you know, 10, 20 seconds of it. That's true, yeah. And thought, yeah, I remember that spot. Is that, oh, a, cable, is that a cable spot? No, no, it's radio. Oh, it's a radio, radio spot. Radio spot. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, radio spot. Uh-oh. So they, it's like I said, it's one of those deals where you take a radio spot and you edit the back end, you know, the tail end of it. Sure. To be able to change up whatever it was there before to put this new information in, which maybe made a lot of sense back in September. Yeah. And maybe October. And if you're all Texan listening, you probably ought to get a make good on that one if it's the wrong spot. And you need to send Ray and I a check. That'll be fine. For bringing it to your attention because it's embarrassing. Speaking of dated spots that sound really stupid, no payments until March of 2006. <laughs> oh, boy. You're, so Did you're you? going to delay my payment uh, Have you heard eight that? weeks. Yeah. Yeah, this past week. Yeah. No payments was, until March of 2006. I promise you they probably were offering that same thing in September. Sure they were. Where it had some meaning. Yeah. And then today it's like, yeah, whoops. what's the uh, effort? Yeah. Now, why does that happen? Well. Why do you think that happens? I think it very well the same thing we're talking about here. I think somebody uh, – either somebody doesn't understand that as you get closer to the date it loses its value or sure. the same mistake we're talking about here. Somebody decided to air an old spot, an old spot yeah. and just didn't really look at it close enough. They weren't on the, they weren't on the task, so yeah. to speak. Yep. Okay. Well, yeah. so that's that's the uh, – you want me to play the intro again? The no. local advertiser. And, you know, local advertisers, uh, we, last month – or last week, I should say, we pointed out how a national advertiser made a mistake on not uh, – uh, an airing a spot past mm-hmm. the uh, expiration date of the offer. That was a national advertiser. Right. Here's a local advertiser screwing up too. So everybody has their day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or not. Yeah. But if if you are an advertiser or you're an advertising agency, you've got to be a little bit ahead of the game. And I can't imagine a client appreciating an advertiser who's not. If you're an ad agency and you let this kind of thing pass uh, pass through, you know. You probably not ought to have well, the your, your client, If you're a client and your agency does that, yeah. uh, you can give them a break. 
and then you can talk about who's going to pay for that spot. Right. Uh, but uh, you don't necessarily have to fire them. But if it happens a couple times, you might want to rethink who you've hired there. That's true. You Very know? true. Yeah. CMO Magazine, Did you? Uh, were you into that uh, magazine at You all? mean the late great? The late great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michael uh, Friedenberg, the president of CXO, in a statement. What's CXO? CXO Media uh, said uh, the magazine could not survive as is. So why don't they reinvent it or something? Yeah, well, You're a marketing magazine. You know, it's funny because I, I saw something like that uh, recently about that magazine. I thought, well, isn't it ironic that if the CMO averages their uh, job at a two-year clip and then they fire and get rehired somewhere else, right. why should the magazine do any better? <laughs> well, how long has it been around? Does Not it long, say? I don't think. It says, it says, although CMO received numerous awards and accolades, the marketplace is not of the size and scale to support the business in its present format. We're currently exploring multiple options to continue the dialogue with readers and advertisers under a different business model. What would that be? CWO. CWO. So you just turn the M upside down, you save on all your letterhead and the design work. That's good. But does it doesn't say when they launch that? Uh, I'd have to go deeper into the article. Anyway, it's really uh, like two or three years old. September 2004, average circulation 24,419. That's not much at all. Hmm. Holy cow, no wonder it went away. Yeah. Okay. Well, hang on to those old copies. They'll be worth something <laughs> yeah, at true. the uh, trade fair. Yeah. Uh, Wally Bregman rejoins us next hour on the advertising show. Spray the Bear, reminiscences from the golden age of advertising. And uh, the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit them online, too, at adage.com. The advertising show is a big radio midgets production. Welcome to the advertising show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. It's hour number two of the Advertising Show. Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth, and the Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production. Also want to mention uh, our friends uh, at shippel.com. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. It's um, uh, really kind of a cool thing called Tendency, and you can find out more about that. It's uh, They're the web marketing company, okay, and they help us do a tremendous job with uh, getting the word out about the advertising show. So go visit them and tell them Ray and Brad sent you. <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. Tell yeah. them Stephanie sent you. Sure. Whatever. Or so birds. Wally Bregman uh, back this hour. Spray the Bear reminiscences from the uh, golden age of advertising. And uh, we also have for you here in just a few moments, it's Patrick Meyer and uh, who else do we have? Jeffrey Gittimer is with us this hour and uh, along with that, Andy Borowitz as well. So there you go. Hmm. You know, you're mentioning Shippel, and it is a great company. Uh, advertisers in the U.S. and Canada, Ray, spent $5.7 billion hmm. on search engine marketing in 2005, a 44% increase compared to 2004, according to a report released Monday by the Search Engine Marketing Professional Organization. Apparently, uh, in its report, the state of search engine marketing 05, it, it projects that the uh, search engine marketing spending in North America will reach $11 billion by 2010. Incredible. So uh, if, you're not, uh, spending any, if you're not spending any money on search engine marketing, 
Probably ought to think about doing something. I want to look at that, especially if in your business there are other consumers out there. I'm sorry, if there are consumers out there that reach out to people in your business, uh, companies in your business, through the Internet. Yeah. If if you uh, take your category, whatever that happens to be. Plumbing. Okay, if it's plumbing, go to uh, go to Google <laughs> and just put plumbing in there and look at the top, uh, you know, if there's, you know, 40 million uh, search results, see where you stack up there. Exactly. And, yeah. if, and, and, you know, if you do that in whatever your category is and you're in the first uh, – First page? Well, I'm going to say if you're in the first 10 pages, of, especially mm-hmm. of a broad category, yeah. you've done well. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're in the t- first few pages, uh, give yourself a pat on the back. Unless it's some narrow, unusual, weird category, <laughs> then you're probably at the top. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, if you're having problems, uh, you need to search uh, search out a search engine marketing company. Put that mm-hmm. in there. Like a Google, you mean? Google search engine marketing. Maybe we'll see what Shipple comes up at. I would assume it'd be very high. I knowing, would think. Knowing Ed. Yeah. <laughs> I would think. So you see page one, one or two. Yeah. I'll put money on that. Yeah. Uh, alternative uh, advertising. Well, well, we say alternative. It's really mainstream, too, as well. Uh, the uh, Super Bowl advertising. They're uh, obviously, what is it, 2.4 mil for mm-hmm. an ad? Yep. And here's the list. Uh, let's see. American Home Health is on there. AmeriQuest Mortgage. Anheuser-Busch Bayer. Uh, Buena Vista Pictures. For a uh, Shaggy Dog remake with Tim Allen. Okay, mm. that should be good. Burger King's in there, careerbuilder.com. Emerald of California. What is Emerald of California? Uh, doesn't say. Home builder? Uh, humor spot builds on the word game approach Emerald took last year. Well, considering the fact that we don't know what Emerald is, game maybe it didn't work so good. I don't yeah. know. Hmm. Uh, who else is on there? ESPN, FedEx, Ford Motor, you'll see. General Motors, I guess. Uh, nationwide, New Line Cinema, Procter & Gamble, Pepsi-Cola, Sony, Sprint, Subway, uh, Unilever, and uh, Warner Brothers as well. So hmm. all to the tune of $2.4 million per spot. Amazing. Well, if you can afford it, you know, remember the lock, the lock company that used to they put they, their spots, their uh, marketing was one spot per year, and they put it on the Super Bowl. No. The lock company where they shoot that bullet and it hits oh, the Oh, Master Locks yeah. or something? Yeah. Okay. And uh, they I don't do that th- anymore. I remember their name, but I don't remember it because of the Super Bowl, though. Just it's a well, well magazine known. ads. It's a well-known brand. Yeah, it right? is a well-known brand. That seems like, hey, what can we blow our two point four mil on? <laughs> oh, let's put it on the well, Super Bowl. Yeah, Everybody will talk about it. Yeah, the agency. I just want to do one spot. That's it. Okay, we'll make it a good one. Yeah, we'll get started on the creative. Let's check in with uh, Patrick Meyer here on the advertising show. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider, featuring Patrick Meyer. If you're in an advertising agency and you're change-resistant, or you've been on Madison Avenue for 50 years and you think everything should stay the way it's always been, then you may want to turn the volume down for the next minute or so. Because today I'm going to talk to you about what I call the New Age Agency, or New Age Agency. This comes right out of the DNA of chief marketing officers and what they think and feel now. Agencies doing a jump ball where they invite five agencies in to all work on creative, pay them a token fee, and take the best. Another example, having an online agency doing the bulk of your creative because you're going out in digital forms online, into cell phones, and in many cases extending out into outdoor print and other places where it began with online. 
agencies looking for leaner teams, SWAT teams, where you pay for the creative bench strength and you're not paying for the rest. Or another example, marketing mix experts, a new form of discipline focused on the ROI, but looking at the mix and using tools to evaluate it. The solution is all about ideas and new go-to-market mode. The ideas doesn't matter where they come from. Clients will take an idea from any source, internally, externally, a core idea that they can work with. That's what it's all about. And it's about an agency that goes to market in a whole different way. It's speed to market. It's creative ideas that are big and can be extended out both online, offline, and into new technology. And it's also people that can think out of the box and think about driving the business, not just reaching frequency, but driving the brand and driving sales every day. That's what clients are looking for. So here's what you might want to do. If you're in an agency, think a different way. Try and be part of a team that delivers this. If you're in a client environment, start looking for those resources that help you get there. If you're thinking about starting your own company, keep this in mind because it's all about a different go-to-market model and delivering big ideas rapid fire. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. Good stuff from Patrick Meyer on The Advertising Show. We're going to get uh, Wally Bregman back on the air here in just a few moments. Author of Spray the Bear, Reminiscence from the uh, Golden Age of Advertising out of Del Mar, California this weekend. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, get an olive stuck in your throat there. Oh yeah. It? Okay. <laughs> we we have uh, Walter Brack uh, Walter. Well, we call him Walter. Sure. Uh, actually, we like to call him Wally. But we uh, we have uh, we have uh, something interesting here. Uh, there is something going on. We talked about this uh, before. Uh, the AIDS Foundation has blasting the Viagra ads. Now we talked about having a problem with uh, the the NFL uh, as far as turning down eighteen million dollars of. of of business for that. Well, now we have the AIDS Foundation uh, blasting uh, the Viagra ads. What they're saying is Pfizer's under fire from the uh, country's largest AIDS advocacy group, which is claiming that a recent print advertisement for Viagra promoted the erectile dysfunction medication for recreational use and encouraged unsafe sex. Uh, that's kind of interesting. It's a full-page ad in question. It ran in the Wall Street Journal. And it features the uh, the same middle-aged man Pfizer has used in most of the ads. Two pieces of the text read, What are you doing on New Year's Eve? And the fact that uh, Viagra can uh, help you guys with all degrees of uh, dysfunction, from mild to severe. So, uh, <laughs> interesting stuff. We have uh, Wally Bregman. It's uh, Spray the Bear Reminiscences from the Golden Age of Advertising. And we'll get Wally back here for a couple of segments in just a moment on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth. Look what the guys on the team gave me. King of the beer frame. Well, I may not be the best at picking spares, but when it comes to picking beers, I'll pick a kingpin every time. Budweiser is the king of beers. As we mentioned uh, this past weekend, we lost uh, Lou Rawls, also a spokesperson for uh, the Budweiser uh, campaign. Mm-hmm. So many years, it's uh, when it's time to relax, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Is that what was that his brand? I'm trying to think. Uh, when it's time to when relax. It's time to relax. 
One no, that's not. Near, no, no, no. Nope, that's not. He he did that, but you're right. He was a, a he wonderful singer for a lot of jingles for uh, Anheuser-Busch. But it stuck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, boy. But, you know, when you want to relax, you just listen to uh, Lou Rawls. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wally Bregman, our special guest, we promised we'd get him back out of Del Mar, California this weekend. And the book is called... Spray the Bear. Hopefully you heard the first hour and you'll figure out why it's uh, called that. It's reminiscences from the golden age of advertising. And as we get into the uh, what the second week here of a brand new year, it's kind of fun to be lighthearted and take a uh, fun look back at advertising. Wally, it's great to have you on the uh, the advertising show. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, you know, it's not often we, and by the way, we are so honored to have you on the show today, Wally. It's not often you get to talk to someone that's uh, so well connected into the history of advertising. It wasn't uh, too long ago. We've had the pleasure a couple times of uh, having George Lois, legendary art director George Lois, on the show. And, of course, when uh, we interviewed George, he talks about uh, the guy named Bill that he worked for. And that, of course, is Doyle Dame Birnbach, as in Bill Birnbach. And when you talk about Leo Burnett, uh, the agency, we're also talking about Wally Bregman knowing actually Leo Burnett. What would our audience, uh, what can you share with us about Leo Burnett that maybe our audience would Well, he was a he, first of all, he could drink any of you under the table, anytime, <laughs> anywhere, any place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but that's just a jokey thing. He he was an absolutely brilliant, intuitive, advertising man who could look at a storyboard or at, a, at an ad and and absolutely tell you w- whether it was going to work or not because he had a wonderful feel for people. And he used to talk to us about the inherent drama of the product. You know, everybody had their little catchphrases. Uh, and, and he talked about the inherent drama of the product. You know, what is in this product that's going to mean something to the consumer? And uh, he just had a wonderful quality of, of looking at advertising and, and, and knowing it was, uh, it was right or wrong. And it was a very difficult taskmaster in that respect. And, but one of the things that that I recurring themes that I, I keep coming up with, I guess, is you have to remember, in those days, all of us worked basically for the guy whose name was on the door. Mm-hmm. Whether it was George, when it was uh, uh, Lois Koenig, uh, whatever it was, uh, I can't remember his name, but when, he, when they spun out of Burnback, but he worked right. for Doyle Dane Burnback, and there's a fellow named Burnback at the corner office. Right. Mm-hmm. And... There was a fellow named Ogilvy at the corner office there, and, and, and you can go on and on and on and on. So the buck stopped there at a quality control level. Those fellows looked at every piece of advertising that went out the door. And whether they liked it or not, if they didn't like it, it didn't go out the door. Um, and so for them, working for them, um, the reward for success so far exceeded the penalty for failure that we were able to stretch ourselves creatively and do some wonderful things. Today, I'm sure you know, 80% of all advertising in the world is, is done by four advertising companies. Mm-hmm. Holding companies, yeah. Yeah, they're holding companies. And, and who's at the top of those holding companies? Mm-hmm. I doubt if it's a creative guy. Right. And I doubt if the creative guy is even down the line at the head of the company. So in those companies, the penalty for failure exceeds the reward for success, and right. you end up with mediocrity. You think there's a bit of uh, lack of pride in authorship today because you can b- hide behind those big companies and not really uh, out there rubbing elbows with the guy with the name on the door? I think that's, that's 50%. The other 50% is called fear. Mm-hmm. In other words, when we lost an account at Burnett, 
No one got fired. The old man said, well, let's go get another one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because there was no Wall Street saying, well, their people per million is now gone above 4.8, which is the average, you know. And so people are afraid. Uh, and by the way, so are clients. Mm -hmm. And uh, we operated in an, in an atmosphere where the lowest level creative guy could sit there at the, at, in the creative review meeting and argue with Leo Burnett or with Bill Burnback or with David Ogilvy or with Ted Bates. I mean, these are real people. These aren't, this isn't General Mills, you know. Mm -hmm. These are guys. And so they, by example, uh, I think created a wonderful, exciting, and uh, fun, you know, a fun environment because when you're not operating in, in, with any kind of fear, there wasn't a single person in that agency for the nine years that I was there that ever was afraid of losing their job because of something they did if they did it in good faith. You know, you know if you do something stupid, everyone does things stupid. You don't get fired for that. And, and I think that, that created a very uh, open uh, cooperative environment. You know, that's political. Yeah, I got to tell you, the days of uh, being able to be relaxed if you lost an account, especially if you're part of the team, uh, and you know, the whole structure of the agency uh, business today is so different than when you worked in it. What's happened? Uh, you know, and Ray and I've talked often here on the advertising show about when we see outstanding advertising today, uh, and it's not uh, that often that we do. It starts with hats off to the client that would be willing to let an agency do that kind of uh, out-of-the-box kind of uh, uh, innovative advertising that you just don't see so much today. Is the, is the big idea the day of the big idea dead today, you think? Pardon? The, the day of the big idea, George Lois, uh, well, Bill Bernbach, Leo Burnett, the, the big ideas. Do, you, do we? Why aren't we seeing more well, of Well, I them? think you're seeing a few. Yep. Uh, I think, for example, uh, I think the Capital One stuff is is terrific. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I think the the Mastercard stuff is terrific. Um, and why am I saying that? Because it's not an ad; it's a campaign. It's yeah. an extendable campaign that you because you're in the days right now of TiVo. You're in the days of of, of the mute button. We didn't have that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the obligation, is, quite frankly, is, is greater on the creative person today to grab someone before their button, their finger hits the button. Geico, I think, is terrific. Yeah, they do a great job. Because they have, a, they have a, a, a plan. It wasn't someone saying, let's get this little guy and we'll do a commercial. That's a plan, and, and it, it, it plays off their name. I mean, I'll tell you how far back it goes. It's almost as far back as Smuckers. We have to be good because we have such a silly name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? Geico, you know. And Smuckers, Smuckers have been using the same uh, voiceover guy since the beginning, it I seems. Think you're right. uh, and he's a great guy, too, a great actor as well. We've got uh, Wally uh, Bregman on the uh, show today. And the uh, book is called Spray the Bear Reminiscences from the Golden Age of Advertising. And we may be in another golden age here. Who knows, Brad? You know, there's some, like, like Wally says, there's some stu good stuff out there. We've got to take a break here for just a moment. And then when we come back, we'll have another segment with Wally and Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. I invite you to visit our website, theadvertisingshow.com. The RSS feeds and the podcast are there for you. As a matter of fact, this particular interview will be up there as well, so you can share it with your friends and business associates. And that's theadvertisingshow.com. What a great place. We'll be back in just a minute.
Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. My third from the next book is going to be titled, You Already Know What to Do, You're Just Not Doing It. You know, salespeople are the smartest people in the world. I go from audience to audience. They all have one common theme among them. Everybody already knows everything, you included. Problem is, you're just not doing it. You know, there's a big difference between knowing and doing. As you go through this little lesson, or as you go through any lesson or any seminar, And somebody makes a point or a statement that's worthwhile. Don't tell yourself, I know that. Rather, ask yourself, how good am I at that? You see, that question will lead you to learning. That question will lead you to understanding. And that question will lead you to take the action you already know you should be taking. Lessons in time management, in my opinion, are a waste of time. You already know what to do. You even know when to do it. What you need is a lesson in procrastination or lessons in higher self-image so you'll take the action or a lesson in fear of rejection. Act now. You already know what to do. You're just not doing it. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer, reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. I dread to think what became of her. That haunting, exquisite creature. A note of music. Save me. A thoughtless word from any one of us. A disturbance of the air could start an earthquake in her. No one could protect her. Dearest from the passion she inspired. How could so much love? On the advertising show, Classic Spot, and we are smelling good at this point in time with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and our special guest for one more segment here this weekend uh, out of uh, Del Mar, California, Wally Bregman. And the book is called Spray the Bear, Reminiscences from the Golden Age of Advertising. Man, a lot of great stories, huh, Brad? Yeah, it really is, and I, I only wish we had more time with uh, with Wally. And uh, let, let's jump back into it. And by the way, you mentioned about Leo Burnett and his ability to out-drink anybody under the table. Ray took offense to that. He's now on his fifth no. shot of vodka, I want you to know. So, no, gin. Oh, is it gin? gin I can't you. see from here. It's fine. Uh, in the early days, uh, Wally, uh, agencies, uh, according to you, we would have to take your word on this, were much more involved in the development of strategy. And uh, in the last decade or so, agencies seem to have lost this role of strategy development, a lot to consultants uh, on the client side. What, how were things different back when agencies rolled up their sleeves and, and really got involved in the development of the marketing direction for a client? Well, in the first place, we considered ourselves really full-time partners of the client. We weren't afraid of the client. He was our partner. In fact, today, some 
40 years later, some of my very best friends that I see all the time are my former clients from Procter & Gamble. Hmm. Uh, we stayed, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't an adversary relationship. Uh, we considered, not the enemy, but we said the consumer is who we're after out there. It's not you, know, not you and me trying to score off each other. So we were privy to everything that they knew about the product, and we worked together on strategy. That was one thing. Number two, longevity. I mean, Burnett had the Kellogg account for, I don't know, 35 years. They had Incredible. United Airlines account for 25 years. They had Philip Morris today. It was just 50 years. Mm -hmm. So you develop relationships with people uh, uh, and trust uh, that I, I don't believe necessarily works when you've got uh, outside forces coming in and, and trying to score off individual people and, and, and sort of bifurcating the effort. You know, and, and it's been said that the average uh, CMO on the client side is, I think the tenure is about a two-year cycle at not today. And uh, and you're right. I think a lot can be said for the attitude that both certainly starts with the client back to the agency. And if it is a partnership, you uh, work through uh, issues as opposed to uh, changing agencies every few, few years, thinking the agency has the uh, – you know the the silver bullet or the the magic uh, that that really is a twofold part. It's both client and agency. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit. You know our audience here uh, through our internet connection and the website at theadvertisingshow.com, we attract a worldwide audience and are proud of the the large number of people listening around the world. And I'm curious, anything you can share with us on an international or global scope that maybe our uh, listeners outside of North America might enjoy? Well, when I took over uh, Norman Craig and Kummel Europe in uh, 1967 or 8. Uh, it was a conglomerate of 12 agencies all over Europe. It was, it was Norway, Sweden, Denmark, uh, Holland, uh, uh, Spain, Portugal, Italy, so on. Well, we, uh, Norman B. Norman, who was our chairman and, and a brilliant thought, we bought minority interests in all of these agencies, so we owned about 35%, uh, which the purpose of which was to keep the then owners have some skin in the game, because if you if you drop out of the sky and take over a German agency and don't know anything about it, and the, and the German partner goes off to the Riviera, you're, you're, you're in for a big, big stomachache. And that happened to an awful lot of our predecessors. So anyway, we owned these things. And here I was, a 36-year-old or 37-year-old kid whose only experience in Europe had been a couple of years in the Army, and I come in and I have all these international guys who are my partners. Well, first of all, I didn't realize that uh, in those days the Norwegians and the Swedes and the Danes didn't all love each other, and the Portuguese and the Spanish didn't love each other, and of course the French still had problems from, from the war with Germans. But as one said to them, they said, well, at least all your partners are united in one thing. They all hate you <laughs> because you're the American with the money that bought their product. Right, right. But we have some wonderful experiences. And, and uh, of course, there are a lot of things, you know, that you don't you don't know about when, when you're innocent abroad, as I was. One funny story, I was, uh, uh, we were in Portugal, and uh, they have a lot of holidays in Portugal, and and uh, I wasn't aware of, of all of them, so I showed up, and they said, well, we, the agency's closed today. We might as well go out and play golf. And I said, oh, wonderful. I said, well, we're going to go 
to the Club de Golf uh, de Estoril, which is out in Estoril. It's a beautiful course. We go out there, and, and my host was a young Portuguese uh, fellow. He says, now, look, we're going to go in the locker room, and there'll be a fellow in there, probably beautifully dressed, and I know he's here, and he's going to ask us if he can play with us and uh, just say, no, we already have our game. And I said, we only have three of us. He says, just please, tell him we only have, you have our game. I said, oh, okay. Sure enough, we go in there, and there's an absolutely charming, very attractive, dark-haired guy with a cashmere sweater and alligator shoes. I mean, he's obviously wealth. And he says, in very good English, do you have a game? And we said, no, I'm sorry, we do. So we go out, and I said, well, who was that guy? Oh, he says, it's that Juan Carlos from Spain. I said, the king? That Juan <laughs> Carlos? He said, yeah, that's the guy. Oh, man. I said, well, you're crazy. I want to play golf with the king. I'm going to go back and get him. He said, no, no, you can't. He cheats. I said, let him cheat me. What's he going to cheat me for? I want to be cheated by a king. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Anytime for a good game of golf. Hey, Wally, we've got to run here and take a break. Thank you again for taking time out of your weekend to be a part of the advertising show. Really enjoyed the stuff you gave us today. Okay, don't forget to spray the bear on at Amazon.com or uh, Barnes & Noble or wherever. You got it. Okay, guys. Thanks. Thank you. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Susie Chapstick has changed her name. Call me Susie Chapstick. Hey, Susie Chapstick. This is real Chapstick weather, so Chapstick is the only name for me. Chapstick lip balm helps keep... Nice brand there, Connection, and uh, it's a classic spot on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Enjoy the con- conversation with Wally. Go get the book. You can go to spraythebear.com. You can also go to amazon.com, and he said Barnes & Noble as as well. Mm-hmm. Brian Steinberg has been on the show before, mm-hmm. a couple of times, a couple of <coughs> times. Journal, also, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's an article uh, on the 3rd out of the Wall Street Journal, and the headline is, As 30-second spot fades, what will advertisers... Do next. Go to a 15. <coughs> 15, is that what it yeah. is? It finally sank in on Madison Avenue in 05 that a 30 second commercial is fading as a means of hawking products and services. How true? Ad execs will be busy in 06 trying to figure out what to put in their place. And, mm. the, and the, the next line is good luck. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, just splintering off uh, dozens of directions, watching TV shows on iPods, watching movies on video game players, listening to radio on the internet, which is not so new. All of these activities cut out the usual forms of sponsorship. Well, this is something that, uh, I, you know, this is no surprise. Right. <coughs> so consequently, uh, that's okay. Consequently, uh, uh, I don't see it as a, uh, you know, like New, newsbreaker. Yeah, you're right. And we mentioned last week, <clears throat> excuse me, on the show that uh, newspapers had its problems lately and television's not uh, far behind. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, Heineken, Heineken, uh, Sponsors uh, three bars in the theater. What a great, uh, what a great idea! Right. Uh, let's see: uh, smaller screens, mobile devices, cell phones, video iPods, fast emerging. Daimler Chrysler's uh, AG Jeep is running ads on Moby TV, uh, which provides programming from MSNBC, ESPN, and Fox Sports to Sprint and Singular's wireless, wireless cell phone customers. Do you have? Uh, do you have um, uh, anything on your phone that you can pick up uh, that kind of stuff? Mm, no. No. I mean, yeah, it, it has the capability, okay. but I don't have it hooked up. The, the service as well? Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, interesting. Uh, so, I don't know. Oh, this is great. This is, uh, and you can write to Brian Steinberg. It's brian.steinberg at wsj.com. Uh, that's part of the article. Texaco Star Theater from TV's early days doesn't seem uh, 
so quaint anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. true. It's very true. Yeah, and if you do write him, tell him you uh, tell him you heard about it on the advertising show. We had Brian on. Gosh, I guess it was. Uh, during the American Ed Federation conference. Yeah, but he's also been with us on the phone as <clears throat> well, true. as he, I recall. He was on the phone through uh, to, out of New York uh, about a month or two after that, which would have been last uh, last summer. Right, gotcha. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, uh, you know, as you say, Ray, this is not a wake-up call for the industry. I mean, we've been talking about for years here on the advertising show about the erosion of the uh, broadcast networks and uh, audience erosion, of course, right. and uh, where those dollars are going, and they're going to new media and non traditional media and you know the advertisers are are following the uh, the uh, media consumption habits which are changing sure and it's only natural that that would happen so <clears throat> excuse me it'll be interesting it'll be an interesting it is an interesting time that we live in oh i love it i think it's great yeah i'd get bored if it was anything else you know well, can you imagine uh, well i mean we're talking to wally about the old days and there's really a lot of good things about the old days you really were entrenched and involved and could move uh, <clears throat> excuse me, move the uh, needle, so to speak, because you dealt with uh, dealt with the client and you were partnered up with your clients. But mm-hmm. then on the other hand, there were also uh, less exciting times because you could run a commercial on one of the three networks and reach 90-some-odd percent of the uh, total consuming It was a little bit audience. more simple, right? Yeah, <clears throat> it was more simple. But, uh, but in 40 years, this is going to be the golden age. You know, this True. is going to be a, there's going to be things to talk about. Yeah, you're going to over, folks. Well, yeah, you're going to say, are you running a one second, a two second, or a three second spot? <laughs> so I'm going the long, long form, three yeah, second. That's it. That's yeah. it. An adlet. <clears throat> right. That's what it's called. Yeah. What do you got there? Well, according to the just released ownership and trend report, Ray, African American households have more TVs and larger sets compared to Hispanics and whites. That would be a surprise to me. Say that again. The, Af- the African American households have-, have have more TVs and larger sets hmm. compared to Hispanics and whites. In addition, the medium plays a more important social role among both African American and Hispanic households. Highlights from the new report include: sixty-two percent of American of African Americans households. Uh, have more than two TVs, 51% of white households have more than two TVs, and uh, 44% of Hispanics uh, households have more than two TVs, so it's in that order. Mm -hmm. And uh, 49% of African Americans' uh, homes have large, in other words, 30 inches or bigger TV sets versus 44% for whites and 41% for Hispanics. Hmm. Another interesting point here, almost 57% of Hispanics, uh, resp- Hispanic respondents, uh, uh, and an equal number of African American respondents agreed that watching television was the household favorite way to relax. And uh, again, a household uh, uh, participation, which really doesn't uh, happen that often, I think, among uh, non-Hispanics or non-African Americans. It's more of an individual thing with uh, with the Caucasian or the white households. You would think so, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You know, Judy's upstairs watching her program, Billy Bob's uh, down in the basement. And where does the Xbox come in? Right? Well, that's out in the garage. Okay. Andy Borowitz coming up next on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. Nobody can call George Whipple an old fuddy-duddy. This new sign is right up with the times. Maybe this will stop the ladies from squeezing charm and bathroom tissue. 
please don't squeeze the Charmin. Indeed. As if that could make me resist Charmin's cushiony, soft texture. That would have to rank in the top ten with the most famous and most memorable advertising slogans ever. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. Mm -hmm. Great campaign, and uh, our thanks to uh, Wally Bregman for joining us here on the Advertising Show. Author of Spray the Bear Reminiscences from the Golden Age of Advertising, Alex Ben Block is back with us. And what we try and do is bring Alex back at least uh, once every couple of months Mm -hmm. because uh, the stuff that he knows about and the stuff that he reports on in uh, Television Week magazine is incredibly good stuff. So we get a chance to get that uh, shared with our global audience as well at theadvertisingshow.com. I'd like to say that Alex has forgotten more about TV than most people will ever know. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) True. I'm thinking you're right. He's really a wealth of knowledge. I'm yet to hear him say, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> Very good. Excuse me. It's, no. He's a, he's a, a huge, uh, huge depth of knowledge. I, I saw him on MSNBC not so long ago being uh, oh, did you really? interviewed. And, of course, he has a program out in Los Angeles. In addition to being a writer for Television Week, he's on uh, National Public Radio hmm. out of uh, Los Angeles, whatever that station that's is. That's right. There. Yeah. I don't know what the call letters are, but yeah. uh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, decade, uh, a decade of consumer spending here. This is uh, data from the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis revealing the average American household spent 1500 bucks a week in 2005. For what? Uh, Oh, it says in 2005, over the past 10 years, consumer spending went up 23%, accounting for inflation. An analysis of a decade of economic data also reveals a growing gap between the richest and poorest Americans, a tripling in the number of housing units valued at a million or more and a dramatic spike in education level and earning power among women. Hmm. Now, as far as uh, what they spend... Uh, they didn't say. Yeah, <laughs> just spend it. Just consumer stuff, I guess. So yeah. the average of fifteen hundred bucks a week today. Today, that didn't seem like much. I don't know. Well, it depends. Uh, consumer goods. I'm thinking. Oh, consumer goods. I, yeah, I, I missed that. Spending. Okay, I got yeah. you. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's a lot of money. That's an average, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of weird. Hmm. Anyway, uh, something to, something to take to the water cooler tomorrow, mm-hmm. <laughs> along with your credit card. That's exactly right. Here's something else you can take along. His name is Andy Borowitz. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for the Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from the Borowitz Report. A stream of completely indecipherable chatter that intelligence agents from the National Security Agency have been trying to decode as part of its controversial program of domestic spying has turned out to be the utterances of President George W. Bush, the White House confirmed this past week. The NSA agents who had long thought the mangled, incomprehensible messages might be those of a terror mastermind have been frustrated in their attempts to decode them because they appeared to be spoken in a language bound by no discernible rules or logic. But at a White House press briefing, Mr. Bush revealed that he, in fact, was the source of the indecipherable chatter, telling reporters that he had admitted the perplexing messages on a near-continuous basis in an effort to confuse the enemy. If the evildoers in the world do not think that I am not trying to confuse them, they are sorely mistaken, Mr. Bush said. Mr. Bush's strategy of intentional unintelligibility has made him almost impossible to understand, even by his closest advisors. But it may yet pay big dividends in the war on terror, said intelligent expert Davis Logson of the University of Minnesota. If al-Qaeda has been listening in on the president's chatter to retaliate for the president listening in on their chatter, they must be extremely confused by now. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, 
Log on to BorowitzReport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. And if they pick up on the chatter on the advertising show, <laughs> well, we're in deep trouble yeah. with somebody. I'm not sure. Saw the earlier this week where uh, Osama, they said, well, we don't know where he's at. I personally, and a lot of people don't think that he's not alive anymore. Right. Okay. And, nope. and now we're never going to find him. No video on him lately. No. For no. the last, what, year? Mm-hmm. So I think they're waiting for the uh, sequel. <laughs> <laughs> episodic, yeah. episodic. And if he if he is not uh, out there, I mean, if he's no longer with us, yes, you're smart to keep that under wraps, because just the fear of thinking he is, yeah, you know, probably right. working for you. Yeah, I didn't see any announcements in the paper. No, I read the you obituaries. Know, obituaries. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm in there. <laughs> I think it was uh, what was it? It was not uh, the Baghdad uh, Times. Yeah. But it was the uh, Tourette uh, Tribune. The Tourette Tribune. <laughs> no, I don't know. Anyway, I, I you know, you never, you the never had green sheet. You never hope for the demise of anyone, with the exception of Osama. Well, he'll get what he'll get. What's coming to him? Yeah, okay, one but, way or uh, the other. But uh, anyway, but I, I, where'd he go? <laughs> you know, did you hear not so long ago they were going to turn that guy uh, that does the bounty hunter on uh, A&E? Oh, yeah, that'd uh, be good. They were going to turn him loose on him. In fact, he said that he would go find him if he could get state uh, uh, Department of State clearance. He'd go find him. And, and a beer budget. And right? I'll, bet he, I'll bet he really would. I bet he would, too, and I bet he would find him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Him and his two little boys. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've seen that program? No. Yeah, but I, I've seen promos for it. So, yeah. yeah. There's two kids chase these people down, and he's a nice guy. And he was a former uh, con uh, convict himself, and uh, okay. his wife drives the, the big uh, SUV, and he rides a uh, truck gun. Right. And, is that what it is, Escalade? Yeah. And the two kids are in the back. Way in the back. Yeah. Go run and get them, boys. The uh, auto show is up uh, this past week in Detroit. Uh, a lot of I'm new cars, a lot, a lot of new things. They've got a new Toyota. That looks like an old Toyota. Really? They have a, oh, what is it? Is it a Dodge Charger? They have brought back the Dodge Charger frame. From Starsky and Hunch. Well, is it a Dodge Hutch. Charger? Yeah, it's, it, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it is, as a matter of fact. And it's the car. They brought back the car. Wow. And they're making it again. Isn't that cool? Yeah, and, you know, there's some, there's words out about the industry maybe struggling uh, on into 06. I hope not. But, uh, you know, it's a worldwide market now, and it's more competitive than ever out there in the automobile. And market. they were saying the, in this piece here, it says uh, Toyota sales up 10%, General Motors down 4%. Hmm. Film at 11. Yeah. Wouldn't that be like uh, love? No, it's not a tennis. Up 10, <laughs> down 4. Yeah. It's 6%. Uh, okay, so uh, thanks to Wally again. Go get the book, Spray the Bear, at Reminiscences from the Golden Age of Advertising. And uh, sure hope you'll make some time to join us next week as we talk live with uh, Alex Ben Block, columnist at Television Week magazine. That's uh, coming up. And uh, my goodness, it's going to be uh, the, the 22nd of January already. This, word, this year's off to a fast start. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the Advertising Show brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Go see our site, too. This is a Big Radio Midgets production. <laughs>